Uh, if you brought your Bibles, you're going to open them up to Romans chapter 5. We've been in a Roman teaching series, and uh, even if you go outside in our lobby, you can pick up uh, even online in one of our... Uh, uh, one of our reading guides so you can follow along. No way I can cover everything up here each day. And so invite you to read along with us. Even our, even our shepherds, we met together this week and read out of Romans, read this week's text and talked and prayed about it. And so encourage you to, uh, to keep up with us. Uh, this teaching series out of Romans is Paul is essentially writing a, a letter to uh, Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians in Rome, Christians he's never met, and I know you've, you've never heard of this, but they're Christians and they're not getting along. Uh, I mean, it's a really a outdated idea. Um, and so Paul is writing to them to unite them and encourage them, and he does so uh, with one central premise, uniting them around one idea, and that is the good news. I know Romans carries all kinds of stereotypes in our world, but fundamentally at its core, at its purest, Romans is about good news. And in Romans, those two words, good news, are capitalized because the good news is a person, the person of Jesus Christ. So today we're going to continue that teaching series, and uh, we're just going to look at a couple of verses out of chapter 5. So let's read them together. They're on the, I'll put them on the screen. Verses 12 through 19 is where we're going to start. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, and everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Keep going. Still, everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of one man, Adam, brought death to many, but but even greater is God's, what are those two words? Some kind of wonderful. And his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads us, uh, leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's, what are those two words? Wonderful grace. And his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live and triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. One last verse. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners but because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. So I recently went to a, a birthday party. Uh, are Devin and Eric in here? Oh, De- there's, there's Eric. So I went to Micah's birthday party uh, with my four-year-old son, Cannon. It was a little kid's birthday party. It was Lego-themed. It was awesome. Had a great time. Cannon had an amazing time. And while we were at Micah's birthday party, uh, I, I met a, a young girl there. 
Uh, and and I, don't, I don't know her name, but I think by the end of the party, everyone knew her. She couldn't have been more than three or four. Uh, she was an incredibly cute little girl. Um, but there's something about this little girl that you need to know. She was a wanderer. You know who I'm talking about, Eric? Uh, parents, you know who I'm talking about. Um, she wandered from room to room. Uh, I watched her wander from the yard to the driveway, uh, and, uh, and I saw kind of everyone begin to, all the parents in the room, kind of all of a sudden, their, their like little radar start going up about where is this one child? You know what I'm saying? And, and so, but I start timing it, because it's like a game, like how long has she been gone? Let's see if she can beat her record. You know, like she's, she's wandering around everywhere to make things worse. She could open doors, even front doors and that kind of stuff, and and uh, man, she, she was just wandering everywhere. And, and uh, our culture has a product for everything. So I don't know if you've seen this, but, but there's a product you can buy for this. Have you seen these? <laughs> so it's, it's, it's like a backpack, but that sucker is a harness with a leash on it. Uh, and so for every product in America, there are also people that are out to like abolish that product. So you can actually get this t-shirt if you, go, uh, if you go to the store, it says, free the leash kids. And, I, and I'm totally in favor of that idea. Like, man, kids need freedom to roam and explore and do that. Until I met this girl, and then I'm like, no, that makes sense. Like, get that kid. Get that kid one of those. Uh, I guarantee you right now at this moment, this, like, like she was such a serious wonder. I guarantee you her parents don't know where, this kid, where she's at right now. You know, her, her poor parents are losing sleep at, at this moment because, because their sweet little girl is, uh, I, just, I just started calling her the ninja wanderer. That's what she was. My son Cannon is, is kind of like this. Cannon is four, and, and not that he will just wander off, but, but you have to be very, very careful uh, with, with what you tell Cannon not to do. You know what I'm talking about? You know these kind of people? If you tell them not to do something, please don't swing on the vine over a 30-foot ravine. You're a preacher after all. You know, like if you tell people, so with Cannon, you got to be really careful what you tell him not to do. Cannon, please don't jump in the puddle, right? You know what's going to happen. Don't put the bug in your mouth. Don't pick up the snake and throw it at your sister. Um, Don't pee in public, you know, like. I feel like it's appropriate right now to just stop and say a prayer for everyone working in our children's ministry. God bless those people. So Paul, I know this makes perfect sense to Romans, doesn't it? Paul seems to think that that thing that makes us so convinced of our own ability Paul seems to think that that, that that kind of willful wanderer that exists in, in us is what makes us kin to Adam. If you remember the story from Genesis, Adam and Eve knew to stay away from this one tree. They could eat of any of the trees, right? Like every, literally every tree except for one is available to them, right? And they only had one instruction, don't eat don't, don't eat of this one tree. Don't, don't touch it. Don't, don't, don't look at it. Don't, don't go over to it. Don't talk to snakes. Right? But there was something in them 
that drove them there. That's where we find verse 12. Go ahead and put that verse back up there. So um, I have issues with my name. I think I've told you guys that. <laughs> like I feel like my parents didn't really, really think this thing out. Uh, Adam, uh, uh, some of my friends are here, but Adam literally means dirt. Adam is formed out of the dirt. That's what my name means. Awesome. Uh, but Adam is also, awesome Adam sinned. And because of Adam's sin, which, hey, I'm just going to note, conspicuously absent is somebody else that was with Adam there. Um, not bitter about that at all. But when Adam sinned, what happened? Sin entered the world. And Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone. For everyone sinned. So if you're, if you're thinking about naming your kid Adam, there's, I can share with you some other good options. But Paul seems to think that, that it wasn't just this, like we're, we're not all just punished because of some, somebody did something else some other time. But Paul seems to say that that thing that, that, that made Adam willful and disobedient, like that, that thing exists in all of us. And so when Paul says Adam, what he means is all of us have sinned. In, in, in his overconfidence, in Adam's overconfidence, in his own ability, in his willful disobedience, Paul wants us to see ourselves. Willfulness is, a, is an interesting thing. Uh, so I have a four-year-old and a nine-year-old, and, and they both are incredibly willful. And, but, but I know as they get older, it's going to get better, right? Uh, parents of teenagers, willfulness gets better when they become a teenager, right? Isn't that, what, isn't that how it works? As we get older and we get more mature, we get less willful, I took, a, I took a group of teenagers on a mission trip to Ecuador, which our, our team from Aspen Grove, super excited about, is leaving on uh, July the 9th. So continue to pray for us. We couldn't be more excited. But uh, I took a different team to, uh, to Ecuador, and there was this group of teenagers, and we were walking by this, like, cow pasture, and it had a, Dan Bond, you know what this is, it had an electric fence. And so my, these were, like, city kids. My city kids are like, what's that? That's not going to keep a cow in or anything in. And I said, well, that's an electric fence. If you touch that, don't, don't touch it. It's going to shock you. So, of course, one of my teenagers reaches out and, and does this thing, like, and nothing happens. What they don't know is that electric fences kind of pulse. Like, it's not a constant thing. So he was touching it, but he never got zapped. And so he goes, dude, it's not even working. And as soon as he said that, three or four teenagers just went, bam, and grabbed hold. They learned a lesson about kind of willful disobedience. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I didn't stop them. I thought this is great. Like, this is awesome. A bunch of city kids. You're about to learn. And willfulness gets better when we get older, right? Like, I, I know, like, 
Like some of you maybe have elderly parents. Willfulness, man, by the time you have elderly parents, willfulness shouldn't even be present at all, right? Asking them to, to give up their car keys, that, that's easy, right? Or to, 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 to maybe even just go to the doctor. These are easy, right? They can just, man, they're experts at obedience, and they always do exactly what they're asked and told, right? Am I thinking about this backwards? Does willfulness increase or decrease with age? I'll let you decide. Paul suggests that like that little girl at the party, we are all wandering, willful, disobedient children, and we never grow out of it. And here's where things start getting really tough. Just like Adam, the result of our wandering, willful disobedience is death. Have you ever wondered what would happen if Adam and Eve never ate of the, the, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? So we need to do a Genesis teaching series, but, but if you remember, the reason Adam and Eve ate of this one tree is because they wanted to be like God. That was their chance to be like God. But if they never ate of that tree and if they obeyed God, have you ever thought about what would have happened? They might still be around today, right? Because they could eat of the tree of life. They were essentially immortal. They, they would have lived forever in the garden, uh, uh, which is like heaven, Shangri-La, Nirvana. I don't know what you want to call it. Like, it would have been pretty good, right? Uh, it, and if you look closely at Scripture, that actually was God's plan and intention. And that's the plan and intention he's working us back to. Heaven would have been, we would have got to be with him forever. That's the exact thing God is trying to restore. But there's this wanderer in us. It's hard for us to listen to Paul say that, hey, you know, the, really the, the penalty of sin is death because wandering seems pretty innocent, right? Or at least it starts out that way. Our wandering willfulness seems innocent enough. It uh, can even be kind of cute and, and endearing. But if left unchecked, what's the result? Child wandering in the front yard eventually finds his or her way into the street, maybe. Right? Paul says that, that this part of all of us This wandering part of our nature is a matter of life and death. When we sin, when we wander from God, the consequence is death. And and frankly, man, like like it's hard for us. It's it's hard for us to imagine, to understand the gravity of that statement. I love what uh, Paul Actemeyer says. He says, most of us just aren't accustomed to thinking of sin as a power capable of altering the structure of our reality. We just don't think sin is that bad. Like, you know, we're kind of in this attitude of like, well, you know, everyone is doing it, you know, and I've done it a bunch and, you know, I'm still alive. 
And Paul says, no, 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 we're, we're thinking about this all the wrong way. The result of sin, the result of disobedience from God is death. Death is the inescapable bottom line for everyone without exception. It's the corrosive effect of man's refusal to live in dependence upon God. And who leads us into death? Well, we like to blame God for it. But who's the real culprit? We are. We aren't paying the price for what someone else has done. We are all Adam. But let's look at verse 15 and 19. But is, is the, a great way of saying, but it doesn't have to be that way. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. Skip ahead to verse 19. Because of one person's disobedience, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. So you see this comparison between Adam and another man. The bad news is that Adam was a disaster. The good news is we have another Adam. A better Adam. Version 2.0. Like Adam, Jesus is tested, but it's not in the garden. If you remember, he's tested in the wilderness. And where Adam fails, Jesus prevails. Prevails not by by demonstrating his skill or power. If you think about it, uh, when Jesus is tested in the wilderness, he, he doesn't do any great miracle he doesn't perform some, some great thing, but he prevails. The, the power of strength is by submitting to, being obedient to God in all things. It's evidence in Jesus' own life. Later, he will say in a prayer, not my will, but yours be done. Where Adam failed, Christ prevailed. Adam's transgression introduced death, and Christ's death introduced us again to life. Grace in the good news of Jesus Christ is God's answer to the domination and multiplication of sin. Think about this. As people sin more and more, God's grace becomes more and more abundant. Um, grace out-increases sin in our world. Do you believe that? Like, you can't sin enough to somehow overcome God's grace. What would happen if the church embraced that message again? Christ got us out of the mess Adam got us into. 
What Adam did, Christ undid. And where Adam failed, Christ succeeded. So in just a few moments, we're going to have a time of communion together. And we have stations set up around the room with the elements of communion. It's something uh, we love to do. It's part of our tradition. It's part of our, uh, our DNA as a church to celebrate Christ and remember him each week by communing with him. The elements uh, include a cup which represents his blood and the bread which represents his body broken for us. And we think it, it's a time of sharing similar to our, our hug and howdy time where we, uh, we, we don't just share Christ maybe in our quiet space we, and that's okay, but, but it was always in the context of a meal of sharing Christ with others. So in just a few minutes, I'm gonna dismiss you to a time of communion together and maybe you can just share how God is speaking to you this week. How is he speaking to you through his word? Uh, maybe it's a time to encourage or pray for each other. These are kind of the ideas of what this meal was about. Before we get there, I just want to share a few final thoughts. Romans uh, 5, 17 and 18. Man, if you don't have these highlighted, uh, uh, go ahead and crochet these on a wall and hang them above your toilet. You need these. It says, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's, what are those two words? And his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live and triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. The truth is, some of you, if you're honest, have all the appearance of someone living in obedience to God. But the truth is, you are, just like that little girl at the party, ninja wanderers. You put on your coat and tie and you show up at church on Sunday sing songs about the love of God, yet in the quiet places of your life, your own willfulness is really your God. Right now, if it's not you, you, you know someone. You've chosen a path that leads you away from God, and I know it, it, it always starts out innocently enough. It may even seem cute and endearing to some, but you've become an expert at hiding it. Too many of us have become experts at concealing our sin. I don't want to remind you of the very words of Paul. The result of willful wandering away from God is death. But it doesn't have to be that way. There is good news for you, and the, and the really good news of Romans is that it wasn't just for Christians, but for a world, for our world, for this place now. And it is that out of God's immense love for you, while you were still wanderers, he offers you through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ, the gift of grace, the gift of life.
your destination, your life will be determined, be determined by who you choose to follow. You can choose to follow the way of Adam, the way of humanity, the way of dirt, <laughs> which is always going to lead to dirt. Or you can choose the second Adam, the better Adam, Jesus Christ, and receive from him the gift of life. I'm going to say a prayer, and uh, if God's speaking to you in this prayer, if there's ways we can serve you or pray for you, I'm going to move to the back. Maybe God's compelling you to give your life to Christ through baptism. We're, we're here to receive you as well. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for its power and, and way it moves, God. And, uh, and, and I trust the movement of your spirit in this space even right now. Because I know the, word, the work of your word is far greater than, than the words that come, come from my lips. Father God, I pray that we all kind of recognize our own willfulness. And, and uh, God, maybe right now we, you need to call us on, on the carpet for the ways that, that we're being disobedient to you. Ways that, that we have wandered from you. Father God, help us to see the warning signs, the danger signs surround us with, if we are wandering, Father God, if we are being disobedient to you, then Father God, that's why the church is so important. So surround us with people who love us and care for us and can tell us, hey, don't go there, don't touch that, don't do that. That's, that's a path that only leads to death. And instead, Father God, compel us to invite others to know your wonderful grace and help us to invite others to receive the free gift of life that you offer. Father God, I pray for all those ninja wanderers out there, hiding it, concealing it, rationalizing it. God, I pray that they would, they would have opportunity with godly men and women around them to confess their sins, come clean and return to you through the deep and emotional and, and true, authentic act of repentance. Lead us all to that place. Father God, we love you. And in your son Jesus' name, everyone together says,